Living life in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's next on Abounding Grace. God has given you everything that you need. All the power, all the energy, all the, everything you need is found in Him. If you'll turn to Him by faith. Even the power to be witnesses. The power to be witnesses. I mean, God has saved us to impact a lost and dying world. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Have you ever poured the wrong kind of fuel into your car or truck? Perhaps you accidentally put diesel fuel into your gas engine. Well, you probably didn't get too far. Today on Abounding Grace, we'll learn that many are trying to live the Christian life by their own strength, and that's the wrong fuel, so to speak. The much better route to take is to live by the power of the Spirit. Pastor Ed Taylor discusses that now in his message on the empowering work of the Holy Spirit from John chapter 20. Take your Bibles, open them to John's Gospel, chapter 20. As we are studying through and almost done with the Gospel of John. If you want to get ahead, go to Acts chapter 1 and also Acts chapter 19 as we review the empowering work of the Holy Spirit or what is commonly known as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And whenever the topic of the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes up, there are always the, these divisions and the discussions and things that maybe even thinking, well, did I, did I miss out on something when I got saved? And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit wants all of you. The Holy Spirit wants all of you as you walk forward in your relationship with Him. Notice with me in John chapter 20, beginning in verse 21, Jesus shows up to the disciples and he says, Peace to you, as the, Father, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. And if you retain the sins of any, they're retained. He, he gives of them the Holy Spirit. And this is the time where the disciples there were born again. That's what we would call that today. They are born again. They have been serving alongside of Jesus all this time. And now they are getting the Holy Spirit inside of them. Before the Holy Spirit is sent after the ascension, this group gets to enjoy the presence and the power and the indwelling and the sealing work of the Holy Spirit. But the Bible teaches there is more than one relationship that you and I can have with the Holy Spirit. There's actually three. If you're taking notes, jot them down. Turn over now to John chapter 14. We looked at this before, and we want to review it again as often as we can. Because too many believers are living their Christian life in their own wisdom and their own strength their own abilities. Some of you, you're not even attempting to live the Christian life. You're just showing up on church today. But you know the rest of the week, you're going to be yelling at your wife. You're going to be mad at work. You're going to be uh, all caught up in the world. And, and that's not God's heart for your life. That's not his desire for you just to be religious. 
just to go through the motions or, you know, just to, I'll do it because I have to, but rather to embrace the empowering work of the Holy Spirit in your life. So pick up with me in John 14, and let's start in verse 15. Jesus is speaking, and he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. And here, who, here's the definition, who the helper is. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And it's here where we see two of the three relationships that you and I can have with the Holy Spirit. The first one, if you're taking notes, is at the end of verse 17. He dwells with you. This is the Greek word para. And we're going to use the Greek words to help define the relationship. This is the Greek word para. And we're familiar with that word when we use the word paramedic. Someone that comes alongside a doctor or a nurse to provide medical care, getting a patient into the hospital and get them stabilized. Para, to be with. The experience that everyone in the world has with the Holy Spirit is this with experience. The Holy Spirit's in the world drawing a person to God. And before I became a Christian, the Holy Spirit was with me, making me restless and hungry for the things of God. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin and brings a person to the understanding of their need of salvation. There's that pull, there's that tug. When you're praying for, for your loved one and for your friends and your coworkers to be saved, you're literally praying for the Holy Spirit to convict them. Because you've learned by now you can't do it. You can't convince them, you can't convict them. There's always a new argument, there's always a new resistance. And, and enough with this doctrine that, that's known as irresistible grace. That, that's not true. Grace is resisted all the time. Even as Jesus is saying here, the Holy Spirit can't be received. The Holy Spirit's resisting. There's so much pushback on the work of the Holy Spirit today. Remember when Jesus was coming into Jerusalem, he looks over the city and he says, how often, he started crying over the city, over the people of the city. He said, how often have I wanted to gather you to myself, but you were not willing. And there's this unwillingness in the world toward the things of God today, and I'm sure you've experienced it in more than one way where people just aren't interested in the things of God. They don't want to yield their spirits to God. They don't want to repent of their sins. They, they want to do life their own way, their own will, kind of being the captain of their own ship and taking their life and doing what they will with it. Everyone has the Holy Spirit with them, and most everyone resists the Holy Spirit. Some resist so much that the Bible says there's a class of people that die in their sin where they never come to terms with God ever, and they die in their sin and spend eternity apart from God in a place that we know is hell. Well, it's many different words for that. The lake of fire, Gehenna in the Bible, but we commonly refer to that as hell. It's separation from God forever. It's almost as if God's saying, if, if you want to resist me now, you don't want me now, what makes you think you're going to want me any, for all of eternity? The Bible says that some resist the Holy Spirit so much that while they're on the earth, they blaspheme the Holy Spirit where they've crossed the line of no return. Now, because we don't know what that line is and where that is in people's lives, we continue to evangelize and share the gospel because we don't know. But unfortunately, some resist so hard and so long and so successfully. We don't want you to successfully resist God anymore. We don't want you holding back your life from the God who created you and loves you. And everyone has the with experience, but so many resist. Number two, notice... As he's speaking to the disciples in verse 17, he says, and the Holy Spirit will be in you. 
That's the Greek word en, E-N. We define it here in English as I-N. And this is the born-again experience. This is for everyone that is repentant of their sins and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, just like the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the mouth, the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So when a person believes and confesses and repents, the Holy Spirit comes in you and me to permanently dwell in our lives. The Bible says the Spirit fills us. The Bible says the Spirit seals us and will be the guarantee, the deposit of the guarantee of our salvation, the third person of the Godhead. Romans chapter 8 verse 9 says, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 19 or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Which brings us to the third experience. Turn over to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. The third experience that only believers can have with the Holy Spirit is found here in Acts chapter 1. The group that Jesus is addressing are some of the same people that were there in John chapter 20, that received the Holy Spirit in them. Jesus breathed on them, they received the Spirit, and now Jesus is telling them about another work of the Spirit, another relationship. Verse 4, Acts chapter 1. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Listen, verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Here's the third experience. It's the upon experience, or we often refer to that as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it's the Greek word here on the word upon in verse 8, epi, E-P-I. It literally means to come upon. And this is the empowering work of the Holy Spirit that, gets, that gives the believer a power to be witnesses and a strength to accomplish the will of God, not in our own strength and our own wisdom. It's the kind of power that Jesus describes in John chapter 7, verse 37. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And this he spoke concerning the Spirit. Every believer needs to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. When I put before you a, an option, limited power or unlimited power, which would you choose? Now, it's kind of a silly question because I think most of us would choose unlimited. We, we want unlimited power, especially when it comes to the things of God. And yet, and yet so many believers live as if they have no power from God. It's like driving your car or your truck on, on empty, when the gas gauge is empty. 
you know, sometimes the, the needle is way high and a lot of times it's below half and many times it's right there on empty. And I know some of you, I saw, I met a few in first service and I know some of you, some people, you're driving right now, right now, listening to the radio, you're driving right now on empty because you watch some television show that said that when your car's on empty, you're still going to get 30 miles out of that. So why fill up? And, you know, a lot of times people pulled over on I-25, they thought the same thing. I've driven this way. I I've driven this way. I, I even tried to change my habits. There was a time where I changed my mind. I said, okay, I'm going to do it all different now. From now on, when I fill up Marie's car, when I fill up mine, it's going to be at half. I'm just going to start. I'm going to, it never took, it never happened. It, it still, it still goes down. There have been times when I've been driving where the needle was below empty and you could actually see distance between the little line and the needle. And I'm like, what am I doing? I don't, and I'm just so nervous and I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. Well, you may drive your car like that or may not, but I found many believers live like that. They live like that. They're on empty. When you, when you live your life as a believer in Jesus Christ on empty, you, you hear words like, I'm burned out. My relationship with God is dry. It's boring. I don't get much out of the Bible. I don't get the point of church. I'm sure you've met some folks, I have, where as we talk to them, they'll, they'll say, you know, I've tried Christianity and it didn't work for me. Listen, if that describes your life, you've tried Christianity, or at least you think you have, and it didn't work for you, you didn't have real Christianity. Because Christianity always works. Because Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is a person. A relationship with a real living God who gave his life for you and rose again from the dead who dwells in you by faith in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gives power for the Christian life. Maybe you're like me as a new believer. I didn't understand or I didn't even know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That wasn't explained to me. And when we give the gospel, we don't always explain the baptism of the Holy Spirit right away. It's in the little packet that we give out. We hand it out to you, and there's a whole section on the baptism of the Holy Spirit there. But I was like, I, I approached Christianity when, when I responded to the gospel, and I approached Christianity, I, I approached it pretty much like everything else in my life. Now, I heard the gospel, and, and I understood God's love for me. I, I embraced it. I was convinced. I was convicted. And when the pastor gave the invitation, I'm like, this is what I need in my life. I've spent 23 years doing my own thing. It's led me to nothing, almost utter disaster. By the time I was 23, almost everything lost. I'm like, this is for me. I realize it. I, I need to embrace the love of God. I need to leave. Nobody needed to tell me what sin was in my life. I knew what it was. I needed to leave it behind. I embraced God by faith, and, and God began to work right away. And he delivered me from some big things in my life. I mean, immediately I wasn't drinking anymore. Uh, immediately I wasn't doing drugs anymore. Immediately I was avoiding the places that were tearing me down. My mind changed. So much of me changed, but a lot of me didn't change. And here's the approach that I took with Christianity. It was sort of like the approach I took with anything else. I, I felt like I could master this thing. That, that I would learn the book, and I would listen to Bible studies, and then really what I did in those first seven months of my relationship with God is... I took the Bible and I gave spiritual language to so many things I was already doing. And, and I was like, well, you know, the Bible really says it this way, but I was doing it my way. And the Bible says this, and so I adapted it my way, whether it was parenting, whether it was marriage, like 
Like, you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, if anyone wants to follow him, let him what? Deny himself, take up the cross, and follow him. Now, now I understood the idea of denying myself. It was just very difficult for me to apply it. And like many believers before and after me, I approached Christianity as if it was something I had to do, and I needed to do very well, and I needed to master it so that this new way of life would just be changing my behavior according to the Bible. And I was wrong. Christianity isn't into behavioral change, although our behaviors do change. See, Christianity is not like any world religion. Christianity actually isn't even a world religion. It's a world relationship. But world religions, world religions, this is the basic tenet of every world religion. A group of people come together and have someone they're following and they say this, if you ever want to attain to our leader and our false God, they don't say false God, but I will for the sake of our Bible study, our God, little G, then these are the things you must do. And if you do them your whole life, you just might maybe make it. So work hard, do your best, give it the old college try, listen to us, we'll tell you what to do, and, and if you do really well and you work really hard, just maybe you'll make it. But Christianity is nothing like that. It's the exact opposite. It couldn't be more opposite than every world religion. And it's simply this. Jesus Christ, he sees our weakened condition. He sees how separate we are. He sees in what bad shape we are. And he does this. He says, I'll do all the work. You just believe in me. I'll do all the work. Everything that's needed to reconcile your life with your creator, I will do. And if you place your faith in me, that's all you need. I will empower you. I'll lead you. I'll help you. I'll do the work. And so what do we do as believers? We either, we either believe in Jesus Christ and follow him completely, or we have a hybrid where we think, you know, this all depends on me. And life becomes a drudgery or it becomes very legalistic where it's all about what you should do and what you shouldn't do and, and different ways this has been interpreted over the years, how you should dress, whether you should wear makeup or not, what Bible version to use, on and on and on. Legalism takes many different forms. All the while, while we're, very, we're denying the very power of God that he has given to us as believers. I'm sure this illustration will ring true with many of you. You wake up in the morning and you put on an imaginary backpack. And in that imaginary backpack, you start to put inside of it all of the burdens and difficulties of your day. You put in the parenting. You put in how hard it's been in parenting. And you put in that financial thing. And you put in that other worry about what's going on at work. And you put that, that other worry about what's happening with the car. And then there's the difficulties with the kids. And before you know it, your back is just burdened with life. And then you wonder, what am I supposed to do? I didn't know that following Jesus was such a burden. And it was so heavy. And by the time 8 o'clock comes, 9 o'clock comes, 10, your shoulders are visibly down. You have the weight of condemnation. You have the weight of life's burdens. And, and it's robbed you of your peace. And it's robbed you of your joy. And it's robbed you of your relationship, that intimacy of relationship. And, and you carry it around every day. On occasion, you take it off, but for the most part, you carry the burdens around until you hear that, that word of Jesus come back and say, hey, you all that are weary and heavy laden, come unto me and I'll give you what? Rest. You've lost your rest. 
because you think you need to master this thing when all the while God has given you everything that you need. All the power, all the energy, all the, everything you need is found in Him. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. He's leading a study from the Gospel of John. You can find our studies online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. And they're accessible through our app, too. Do a search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play. And look for us on Apple Podcasts. Here in the month of December, we picked out a timely resource we think you'll enjoy and get a lot out of. It's called The Case for Christmas. So who was in that manger the first Christmas morning? Not everyone agrees on the answer to that. If he was the divine son of God, how do you know for sure? Well, Lee Strobel investigates in The Case for Christmas, and we'll send it to you when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more today. Please make your request by phone at 877-30-GRACE or order it online at calvaryco.store. Also, remember that it's through your support that we're able to bring Abounding Grace to the radio every day. With your help, countless thousands of people are hearing the truth of God's Word all over the nation and the world at a time in human history when they really need to hear it, too. We can be reached toll-free at 877-30-GRACE, or you can make a donation online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Well, Pastor Ed, we begin a new year this Sunday. What would you like to say to our listeners as we get ready to turn the calendar? Well, 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 Larry, what a huge question that you're asking, but I've got a lot to say, but but I am like really zeroed in on this for our church. So you remember, Abounding Grace is like a connection to our church, and this is what I'm telling our church, so this is what I want to tell you, and it's simply this, be ready for a step of faith in the new year. Step into, be ready. I, th- I think be ready is important because you you really want to prepare yourself. You want to have your relationships in order. You want to have your relationship with God in order. But I want you to be ready for all that God has for you. Don't let 2023 be some religious routine like every other year. And I just want you to be ready, I guess, is the big thing. I, I, we're going to be talking here at Calvary, our, our New Year's messages. We have four or five of them. I haven't, I haven't really finished them yet, but we're going to be looking at stepping into faith. Really, that's the key. Into faith we go. I'm, I'm going to be talking about how important it is for us to obey God, how important it is for us to live for Him, to give ourselves completely to Him, and so what I'm sharing with our church, I want to share with you. And we'll probably air it on Abounding Grace too. Um, one of the messages I'm going to be teaching is about digging ditches. And that is a preparation and readiness for God to do the miraculous. And I'm also going to be sharing on the topic of, do you want to be made well? I mean, do you really want God to work in your life? He already is. That That's not up for debate. But do you really want it? Do you really want to participate? Are you willing to pay the price, count the cost, and... Another thought that I'm going to be sharing, and I'm not sure, I haven't developed these yet, so you're getting them uh, firsthand, but another study I'm thinking of of is around the topic of we haven't gone this way before, and remembering that the life of faith is one that can't be explained. We don't know what the future holds. God's not going to explain it to us. He's going to lead us day by day, little by little, doing great things. So I just, I'm excited. I could go on and on. I mean, this could be a whole episode of Abounding Grace in and of itself, Uh, But we talk about these things on a radio program I do here live in Colorado called 
Well, actually, it's on uh, 30, 40. It's on the station. Most likely, it's on the station you're listening to right now called Calvary Live, where we talk about these things a little bit more in depth. For more information on everything on our church as we end the year, go to calvaryco.church or aboundinggraceradio.com or connecting with me personally, edtaylor.org, edtaylor.org. I'd love to connect with you. I'd love to pray for you. I want you to pray for me, my wife, Marie, my kids, my family, uh, my grandson, Levi. You know, we're all still grieving and having to deal with separation. And so we pray for that little guy. Pray for us that the Lord would do a miraculous work that's beyond what we can think or ask. And I'm always anticipating that, man. It's going to be so good when all is done and we are reunited. Going to be great. Bless you guys. Have a great rest of your day and look forward to all that God has for us in the coming year. Maranatha, even so, come, Lord Jesus. And Happy New Year from all of us at Calvary Church and Abounding Grace. We look forward to continuing through the Word with you in 2023. May God richly bless you and your family in the new year ahead. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.